0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. On this episode of the Behind the Mask podcast, we sit down with TJ, who's your mama, who's Manzada. Yes, we talk about the old Bengals, compared now to the new Bengals. The expectations for Joe Burrows, last but not least. TJ, you could do anything in the world, but he decides to give back and go coach high school kids. Just as we saw from the last podcast, I lost the bet to two time Reds. So that's why now you need to come back and have redemption for your bet. For game spreads and totals, to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. I am your host, Takiyo Spikes. And somewhere floating around, we got the plus size model out there. Well, yeah, plus size model.
0: Your favorite plus size model, two time is in the building.
1: Too man, it, we, it's a special occasion today because uh, this cat here, he really is all about behind the mask and he's going to take us behind the mask with everything that we're going to ask him. And I'm pretty sure he's going to challenge us too. So without further ado to our followers and viewers, we see him. We see him regular on Fox Sports One as a contributor to Speak for Yourself. But today he's going to speak for himself on the Behind the Mask podcast. Seventh round draft pick, my former teammate out of Cincinnati, was straight from Oregon State. Man, y'all give it up for TJ Hoosmanzada. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: TJ, what's good, bro?
2: What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing, man? Man, we...
1: Hey, man. Man, man, we... Hey, we trying to keep it in between the yellow and the white lines, dog. Still COVID. We staying out of the way. And uh, pretty much just producing great content, man. So we appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. You know, I see it all the time when you put it on your social media. I watch the clips and all of that. So I'm glad to be on with y'all.
1: Yeah, man. We don't have a good time, too, man, and... I'm gonna tell you what was funny though, because when I was looking at research and I was like, all right, let me just go back and think. Bro, like your career was so outstanding. I totally forgot you were drafted in the seventh round.
2: Yeah. I I shouldn't have been.
1: No, you shouldn't (laughs) have been.
2: It it was if you think about it, man. Number one, I always would say I made it to the league, it was luck. And I forget someone always told me it's it's not luck, man. That was your destiny to to come from. I didn't graduate from high school. I don't have a high school diploma. Um, my mama got four kids, man. She has four kids. Only one of them graduated from high school. And that's the youngest one. Didn't play football until my senior year in high school. And so just in the streets from the time I was 13 and to make it. uh to the NFL, considering that I it wasn't a dream of mine. It, I wasn't like a like you and two. How growing up, man, I, I wanna play in the league. I that that was never an aspiration for me because I didn't play like that growing up. And so I always was said it was luck, but uh so I forget who it was. It was like, nah, I wasn't luck. this this was your destiny.
0: Incredible journey. Didn't graduate high school, JUCO, one year college, into the league. You just said it. You felt like you should have been drafted higher. Did you oh, start to play off and play with a chip on your shoulder, being a seventh-round pick?
2: Oh, yeah, first day. Spikes probably does not remember this, but I do. My first day of practice, I got in a fight. You know how you get drafted, yeah. and then you had that rookie camp that weekend. I got in a fight first practice. Like, I was just let like, don't hold me, and if you do, and I say something, don't talk shit, and if you do, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. And, I mean, I probably got like, 10 fights every year. Spikes could probably attest to that in practice. Um, but that was just me. That's just how I was. Um, bad temper. And, and back then, practicing games, you get a bad temper. You can really go hit somebody, and it's not a problem. Yeah. And there's no penalty. But, yeah, I got in fights. But I felt I should have been drafted a lot higher. Um, Chad, which was a college teammate of mine, was drafted – and I felt I was on par with him. And so when he went as high as he did, I'm like, oh, I'm going right after. And when that didn't happen, it was a shocker to me.
1: Oh, uh, and like that was the thing, though, because like I can attest to it. Like I saw it all the times. And now that you brought it back, when we go back into that mini camp after you were drafted, I remember the fight. But this is what I remember more than anything. I remember you coming into the locker room one day, and you was like, and you specifically stood by the receivers and where the DBs were, and you was like, y'all don't even know it yet, but I'm just telling you, I'm better than Chad. And I remember everybody was like, Urgh! record scratch. You was like, I'm better than Chad. Y'all don't know that yet, but I'm better than Chad. And I remember, I was like, I, right. I hear him, but what is the justification, seventh round pick? Because everybody falls into that trap. And I remember this. The next day, you went out, and you roasted the DBs consistently. And I'm talking about if it was Archer or Hawkins, whoever, you killed him. Yeah. And so, bro, like, like when when you see that, and people thought, like, man, he crazy. He ain't better than Chad, dog. What made you even say that, though?
2: Because that's what I felt. Like, to me, any sport you play, and if you don't think you're the best, it's it's a problem. And I truly, deep down in my heart, felt like I was the best one on that team, not just Chad. I thought I was better than Peter Ward, Ron Dugans, Danny Darnay, Scott, all of them dudes. Now, my teammates and the coaches probably didn't think that, and that's okay. But I thought I was the best. And so I've never thought anybody was better than me. And that's just my mentality. That's how I approached it. And speaking to Chad, like, to me, Chad is one of the best receivers to ever play in the NFL. With his quickness, at his size, the way he moved, no nobody can move. Like, they still can't move like that today. And so, but just me being myself and the training, that was the thing. Though Me and Chad trained together from the time we went to college until the time we retired, basically, every day. And we would have all these different guys throughout the NFL, come out here and train with us. Guys that had these big names supposed to be so good. Mm-hmm. And then they would train with us. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dude is a bum. Who oh, were who, who some the of the guys who had, like,
1: heavy hype at that time who trained with you guys?
2: I don't want to do that, Spikes. You ain't got to call
0: him a bum. It could have been, you know. No, no, serious. no, not, not
1: the bums. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because oh, I know this, how competitive it is. Yeah. And, like, oh. that's how I remember you telling me, look, Now we have so many guys come out there, so we get in reps and everybody is learning from each other. So not from the Vaughn perspective.
2: Over the course of our career, and I'll probably leave some guys out, like we literally, during the summer before camp, we would go one-on-ones. It would be Brady's the quarterback, Carson's the quarterback, A.J. Feely, Drew Brees. We had all these NFL, and I'm leaving some guys out. We had all these NFL quarterbacks throwing to us. All these NFL DBs, Cromartie, Antonio Cromartie, it'd be myself, Chad, Marcus and David Terrell, anybody that played with us with the Bengals, all these dudes would come out and we would just do one-on-ones for hours upon hours and you were able to see who could play and who couldn't play. Guys get locked up. They get to the back of the line like they don't – and they in the league. They don't want to come out no more. They don't want to do it no more. Mm-hmm. And, and so – before time, it was just so many got like they'll do the ESPYS out here. Guys would come work out with us those two or three days while they're out here for the ESPYS, and so it was just a bunch of guys. I don't want to start naming names, but because I'm I don't want to do that to nobody. But it was that—that's what gave me the belief that I was the best because when you train with guys and you can number one, you can see they work ethic, right? And everybody say they work hard, and you and I both know. Guys don't be working like that, man. They they fake like they working hard. They'll put especially with social media, they'll get a little yeah. scared going, I'm really working today. The but they really not. Not not no. like they need
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> they put a couple of routes on there, they like, hey, it's all about the grind, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> of course. But it, it was it was just it was just training with different guys, man. Um and and, and I'll be the first to admit it, training with Chad. And every day, every day, year, year after year after year, every day, man, um, that got me better. And my competitiveness got him better because it was I'm pushed. Initially, I was chasing him because of the hype and the ability that he had. And then over time, we were chasing each other.
1: So, bro, I'm going to tell you the thing that I thought was the coldest of all time was you came into your own going into your third year. The, um eventually I left and I always, you already had gained the respect by the end of that second year to be completely honest from everybody on the team. You gained respect before that, but the world knew of TJ Hoosh at that time. But moving forward, when Chris Henry came onto the team, it was like looking at film, bro. It was like, Man, these dudes got three legitimate number one wide receivers. And when you look at, when you go back through time, and, you know, God bless his soul, now he's passed on. Like, what made Chris Henry so dynamic with teaming up with yourself and Chad?
2: He just had an ability to go get the ball. Like, I've never played with any, like, he would, and anybody that plays football and plays, he would run a deep post. And the majority of us, we run a deep post, we catch it here. He would be running full speed, And just grab the ball and snag it out the air. Nobody does that. It's hard to do that. And so, like, we would let it fall in, not slim. He would just run and just grab it out the air. And he did that so easy. So, his hand eye coordination, as you're running at that rate of speed and your eyes are bouncing, it was just, he had this ability, man. You just, he was born with it. You couldn't teach it. And if you could teach it, whoever taught him needs to be teaching everybody. He had an uncanny ability to go get the deep ball with his hands, and once he got rolling, he was damn near faster than anybody in the league after 20 yards.
0: That's dope, man. You know, on the Behind the Mask podcast, I know it's your first time on, but we always say, on the Behind the Mask podcast, there's only one rule. There are no rules. So right now, I want to know, you talk about these fights you had, yeah. you ever had to lay your hands on Tequil going through the middle or something like that?
2: Nah. <laughs> you
0: know what's crazy?
2: Like when when I first got to the league, you know when you first get to the league, you see these dudes on TV, man. And but being from California, like you they, they really didn't show the Bengals. And you you get there and you know who's the starters. And being at Paul Brown Stadium, all the guys with all the money, all their cars is parked in the front. Right. <laughs> and so but Spikes, no lie. This true. Spikes was always A1 from day one, bro. Always cool cat, bro. Like, always. And that's very rare when you meet athletes that, that are good and then they cool. You can be on the same team. They'll be cool with other starters, but they're not going to be cool with the practice squad guys or the guys that ain't playing. And... Spikes was always that guy. Spikes was like that. Big Willie was like that. Brian Simmons was like that. But it's some guys, no lie, they act like they better than you. They don't fuck with you.
1: Yeah, they and, turn.
2: And, and so, uh, nah, Spikes was always cool. I'm probably sure I probably tried to thump Spikes a couple of times. And got my ass thump right back. With <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure because I had to go in there and block yeah. backwards and safeties. I'm sure I'd have ran in there a couple of times. And um, realize realized uh, I don't need to be up in there. <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Well, your division was real, real physical, man. So tell me, who was the, the
2: more intense rivalry for you? The Ravens or the Steelers? Oh, for me, it was not even close. It's the Steelers. For me. And I say that because not because um, the Ravens wasn't a rivalry. It was because when you played the Ravens, it was competitive. It was tough. But. They didn't talk as much as the Steelers talk. Like, Ray, by that time, he would talk trash to you, but it was all in good fun. Like, it wasn't, like, angry talk. And nobody outside of Suggs and Bart Scott, nobody else really talked shit. And I wasn't fooling with Suggs because he he got his hand in the dirt. Sometimes I would go at it with Bart, but it was the Steelers because you got Porter, you got Ferrier, you got – it was really Ike Taylor. Um, so we would go at it. Tyrone Carter, Palamalu, I'll never forget one time, Palamalu hit me. I didn't fall. And this is a true story. I get up and I say, Troy, you hit like a bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> no lie. He walks by me and he was like, God bless you, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Never, ever, ever talk trash to him again. Never yeah. talk trash to him again. That I was like, this dude really just walked by me in this high-pitched voice and said, God bless you, teacher." Through you all. It was the Steelers, though, just because it was a lot of trash talking uh, during the game for me. Yeah.
1: And, and even in the early stages, though, I remember, like, bro, we, we used to play the Steelers, and, I mean, shit, we ain't win many. We ain't win a lot. of, We didn't even win a few. Well, we won a few games. We but, we we but we split most times. Maybe we got swept one time, but we usually split with Pittsburgh. And they hated that. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the big picture, though, I think about Dick LeBeau. He was the head coach actually drafted you when you got there. We had Bruce Cosley. He quit on us. That's another story for another day. But uh, Dick LeBeau was there. Then you fast forward and you see what Marvin Lewis was able to come in and see what he was able to do. From a notoriety standpoint, that's when your game or when your name really took off. Uh, Carson was drafted, too. I ended up leaving. When you look at the difference out of Dick LeBeau and you look at what Marvin brought to the the Cincinnati Bengals, like what was the biggest difference, bro, when you look at it, that really propelled y'all to start winning?
2: It was the professionalism, man. It really was looking at, like, Coach LeBeau is a hell of a coach. But Coach LeBeau needed to be the head coach of a team full of veterans. He gave, he was too much leeway, man. Like, guys can do what they want to do. Training camp, prime example. Um, no security. So, guys could come and go as free as they wanted. Um, and a lot of things were coming and going, as you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, Marvin got there, security right at the front, home games with Dick LeBeau. We stayed at home. Marvin Lewis comes, we stay in a hotel. So people don't even notice. I'm bailing guys out of jail Sunday morning. We playing the Tampa Bay Bucks because we were out Saturday night, but we were at home we weren't in the hotel um just the professionalism that he brought and how to be a pro and how to go about your business and do things the right way we didn't have water in the locker room when dick LeBeau was there marvin comes in we got water now and so gatorade now it was just a culture change that marvin brought that it was like oh tell wow
1: this, this tell me about about that gatorade though bro like I remember Man. going in, I, in at, at college, they was like, get all the Gatorade you can. Man, I get to Cincinnati. Ain't none in there. I Ain't no, no
2: water, no, Gatorade, lock, no no Gatorade water. Nothing. And when Marvin came, we got a Gatorade cooler in the middle of the locker room. We was like, what? Gatorade in a uh, cafeteria with water and chocolate milk. And we like, what is this? This is what it's like. <laughs> But I will say, you know, guys would stuff that Gatorade in their backpacks. Yeah. Even, even till I left, the day I left, Marvin would be like, you guys need to stop taking the Gatorade home. Everybody makes enough money. But, you know, we always want something free, right? Money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, he brought that professionalism, man, to where he this is how NFL teams operate. And it was a culture shock to some. And the guys that couldn't uh, figure it out, he got rid of them. And and I see why now when coaches come into a new team, they bring their guys because their guys know how they want to do things and they can in turn preach that message to the locker room. It all started to make sense once you've seen uh, the transformation take place when uh, Coach Lou got there.
0: You talk about some great wide receiver tandems over the years. Obviously you and Chad Johnson were one of them. Uh, I think now you got Julio and Ridley down in Atlanta. Got, uh, Marquise Godwin down in Tampa. Who, uh, in today's game, what wide receivers remind you you and Chad when you guys play?
2: Wow. that That's pretty tough, you know, because me and Chad were both really good route runners. Chad was quicker than I was, um, But we both really did a really good job of creating separation and running routes. Just off the top of my head, if I can go back to last year, I would say Diggs and Thielen. Um, Mike Evans is a lot bigger than me and Chad were, so it's hard. Uh, I wouldn't say Calvin Ridley and Julio, because they both have tremendous, tremendous – I don't know, man. It's kind of tough, man. It's a lot of good receivers, though. You can go to the Cowboys, maybe with Amari Cooper and Gallup – I could see that being similar to myself
1: and Chad. Their mentality oh. is not like I know physical skill set. Yes, no, they don't. Mentality have is not nothing no, like.
2: No, you know. I, I like that. Like our and you write about that, spikes. Like my last year in the league, I did scout team. I did scout team every year of my career. Like
1: one thousand. I mean, I
2: was, and, and so it was. It was embedded in me. I go to Seattle, I'm doing scout team. The Vets is looking at me like, bruh, what the fuck are you doing? What's wrong with you? I went to Baltimore. Derek Mason was like, him and, him and Q, Anquan Bowden, were like, bro, you're crazy. But it was embedded in me. I took all the scout team reps, all of them. Did all the offensive team reps because that's just the competitiveness in me. I want to show that I'm the best, so I'm going to do the scout team reps and go against the number one defense. And then I'm going to do our reps and go against the scout team defense. That It was just – that's just how it was. Um, but it's it's hard, man. It's a lot of good receivers. There's a lot of good trainers in the Atlanta area. It's a lot of good trainers in the Florida area that work with these receivers while they're in high school and college. And so guys are coming out a lot better from a technical standpoint than they've ever been. We talked about a lot of good receivers in the
0: league. Who are your top five receivers in the NFL today?
1: help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by your name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL.
2: I'll give you the top five. I don't know what order it can change. Um, And I'm going to give you a top five, and I'm going to probably leave three or four out that I'll say they probably should be in it, but it's only room for five. Um, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, that's four right there. Uh, The fifth one, see, again, I'm going to leave some people out. I'd probably go Mike Evans, but if I threw in Keenan Allen, I wouldn't be mad. A.J. Green is a top-five receiver. He's just been hurt, so you can't really throw him in there until he can consistently uh, get on the field. OBJ is a top-five receiver if he can get an opportunity to get the ball, but that hasn't happened. And and so there's a lot of guys that can really go, and I'm pretty sure I left somebody out. Uh, But those are the guys, when you ask me, those are the first guys that come to mind.
0: Bro, you you people on OBJ as well.
2: Yeah, Obj, he's just he's in a bad situation. I said, I said they saying this now. I said this before the start of the season. If I was the Cleveland Browns, I would let Obj eat these first two games, and then I would trade him. I would trade him. They don't. They're not using him the right way. They need to trade Obj or one of these backs, Cream Hunter, Chubb. They need to trade one of them and get an offensive lineman, and so that they can solidify that front, and, and so trade him and that's why you let him eat these first two games so now the stock is high maybe you can get a late first round pick second round pick and a player something but uh if they were smart they would have featured in these first two games and uh try to get rid of him.
1: but how much is that like you say well shit you went through the same thing you unchecked a lot of it is just the fact like i think obj is always going to be obj but the problem is you only as good as the person throwing you the football yeah and so I, I think he struggles from Baker Mayfield. What, what, do you think Is just that's the problem, too? The lack oh. of not him having a quarterback who can get him the ball?
2: 100% that plays a part in it. We're the only position that relies completely on somebody else to uh, nice. get us the ball. But this is the thing, though. Like, our offense in Cincinnati, like, people I don't know if people know this. If you really know football, me and Chad had to get open. And we didn't throw the ball to a tight end. So it was me, Chad, and whoever the third receiver was. We didn't really use the tight end. And, and so we lined up. They're going to play single high safety. We already knew where the ball was going. It's going to myself or Chad. You play single high. If it go, if too high, if I'm in the slot, it's probably going to me. Unless it's quarters, we're going to hit you over the top with Chad or Slim. And, and so it wasn't that complicated. Yeah, we did have to get open. nowadays, it's like, They'll call a pass plan. It almost seems like the quarterback is predetermining where he wants to go with the ball. I think each coach is in your game plan to pacify the OBJs of the world. In your first 15, he should know there's three or four plays that are designed to come to him. Right. And if they don't come to him, when that play is called, he knows, ah, oh, this is my play right here. This is the play we've been working on all week. Up, they show the coverage where the ball goes somewhere else. At least he knows in his mind that play was designed to go to me and it will keep him engaged in the game. Maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But, but I know when I played, we all want the ball. And I don't care who you – we want the ball. Throw us the ball. We only get the ball five, six times a game. If we get it ten times, we had a hell of a game. Yep. The back get it ten times, he pissed off. And, and so show him that you're trying to get him the ball, whether he gets it or not. And if he complains about that, he's just not a team guy. I doubt he would because he knows we put in the effort to try to get you the ball.
1: Bro, like you got so much knowledge of the game, man. And I remember sitting in the locker room. You used to be talk about game planning when other cats really, really couldn't relate. Like the only thing they could do is just give me the game plan and I just want to go out and play. You were more so like, I listen, this guy, here is trash. He's fucking garbage. So this is what we need to do to draw up schemes, and so now I see now that you retired, you out of the game, you t- you've taken your talents now to coach high school football. You do so many things, bro. Like you doing well, what made you decide to go back and invest into the young kids today?
2: Just to help them out, man. Uh, it kind of ha- it was happen chance, man. Uh, Antonio Pierce is the head coach at Long Beach Poly. He reached out to me wanted me to come coach the first year I went up there and coached and and I wasn't consistent. I was, I was there. I wasn't there. I was there. I wasn't there. I'd make probably two or three practices a week, make the games, made every game. And then the following year I was there every day. And for me, it was never took a salary. I want to say that because I didn't need the money. The coaches on the staff that needed the money, give them my salary. I never got paid a dollar coaching high school football in all the years I coached. And I could have, um, But it was just helping these kids out. that came from similar backgrounds like myself. Um, You want to be in the streets because it's easy money, but it's really not long-term for you. And so just trying to be a voice, a mentor. I still talk to a lot of the guys that I coached in high school, was training one of them yesterday back from college. And so just trying to help them out, be a mentor. If you don't want to talk to your pops about certain things, you can talk to me about it because I'm going to give it to you Real And if you're right, I'm going to tell you you're right. And if you're wrong, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. But it was more so just trying to mentor these kids and trying to help them out in life. And if they got anything football-wise from me, that was just a bonus. That was a bonus because a lot of the kids I was coaching and where I was coaching, they're super talented, man. A lot of them went to Power 5 conferences. Some of them are in the league right now. And so just trying to impart wisdom on them because I didn't have that. And it wasn't just me. We had a lot of guys. Levar Arrington, Coach, would have played in the league. Antonio Pierce, Matthew Hatchett. We had a lot of guys from the league.
0: Um, oh, coaches.
2: Willie Mack would always, you know, that's Willie McGinnis, College. I mean, high school. So he would always be up there and be around. And so they had a lot of guys there that uh, got their different roles with AP, Antonio Pierce being undrafted, Willie McGinnis being the top five pick, and, and so with some Levar being the number two pick. And so with so many different guys that they could bounce ideas off of, high draft picks coming with a lot of uh, notoriety, low draft picks and free agents that got to really grind and work their way in.
0: Yeah, Long Beach probably um, quiet as kept, man. That's a that's a powerhouse in terms of putting out talent. You just said a lot of guys, you yeah. uh, know, power five conferences, several went to the league. My man Mercedes Lewis, former teammate, he played there as well. Yeah. What, what does it feel like when you have these young men that come back and say, you know what, Coach – you told me this years ago and this happened, or this is the reason I made this decision because of you.
2: I mean, it, there it's not uh foolproof. It's one kid that I coach, man. And I was, we were just talking about this kid yesterday. He's one of the best players I ever coached. One like unbelievable. And, and he's in prison right now. He was a, he was a top five player in the country coming out of high school. And he's in prison right now. And so obviously I wasn't able to help him and, and, and to me, that bothers me because I knew he had problems, and and I talked to him often about it. And he was very upfront and honest with me, so wasn't able to help him as much as I would have liked. But it, it's just Polly is Polly. They they gonna that Long Beach area man. They get tremendous athletes, and it's constant. And they're so good. They got guys from other areas that want to come in there now, and, and so. I ain't coaching high school football. It ain't nothing like it, man. Because you get these. My first day there, actually, Iman Marshall. He went the Baltimore Ravens right now, corner, number one corner in the country when he came out. Yeah. In my first year of coaching, I think I had been retired like three years, and uh, he was calling me old and shit, man. I lock your old ass up, man. And I had to show him in
1: tennis shoes, like, bruh, no, you, you got some video, dog. Come on, go no, me I, I, the video. I wish I you would recorded it.
2: I only been on social media for three years, so I don't have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> I got on three years ago. I got on, okay, that weekend that we was in Cincinnati. Yep. That's whenever that was. I got on then, maybe four years ago. Was three or the, four the, years f-
0: ago. the 50 Bengals right at the top. Yeah. Was yeah. that three years ago? Yeah, three, year-
2: Hell,
1: it yeah, it three that's years. Yeah, maybe three years ago.
2: That's when I got on social media. That was my first time getting on social media. And so, nah, I don't have any film, but like to this day... Me and him are cool. We texts. He got questions. He came, he came out and uh, covered some of the receivers that I was getting ready for the draft. And so he's done well for himself. But it's fun, man. I, anytime you can impart wisdom that you learn onto kids that grew up in environments and situations very similar to yours, um, it's nothing like it. Because they remember that. They, they, they remember that, and hopefully they'll pay it forward. for sure. For sure.
0: And you talk about those stories and and things that come full circle. Give the people out there a story that they may not know about your boy Tequila Spikes.
2: Dude, I don't know. Spikes is like, like, you see him right now. Like, all he, that's all he would do is just smile and laugh and shit, man. Like, he was always (laughs) like that, bro. Like, no lie. He would always just be smiling and laughing with this big-ass neck of his. (laughs) And, uh... He ain't changed, but My neck was like, so damn big. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked like it got a little smaller. It ain't as big as it should <laughs> We lost a little size on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's just, no, I can't think of a story that, what, to me, what you see with Spikes is what you get. Yeah. And if he wasn't here, I'd say the same thing. Dude is a genuine human being, man. Like, he just always was that way. And it's not always the case When you get to a team and a guy is quote-unquote one of the stars of the team, that's just not the case. It could be why the majority of the guys that I deal with now that I played with with the Bengals, um, a lot of them didn't play a lot. They were free agents. They were practice squad guys, and it could be because of the way guys like Spike showed me love that I took an interest in showing those guys love because I know how it is to want to hang with the cats on the team. That's the best and you just don't know how they're going to welcome you. And so I would always, I invite all those guys, man, to my house for Thanksgiving. I let dudes stay in my house in the off season and I was back at home. Just don't tear my shit up, man. Y'all stay here. If y'all sm- I don't smoke. I've never smoked in my life. I'm like, if y'all going to smoke, y'all better smoke outside. If I come back and I smell this shit, y'all never stay here again. But Spike's just always been a straight up genuine dude. All he want to do is fucking laugh, man, and have fun. And that's all I remember. That's him.
1: Hey, my dog told the truth.
2: I was trying to get some dirt. I can't get no. I can't
1: get no dirt.
0: Everybody get on here, man. Nobody got no dirt on my man. Yeah.
2: Hey, aside from uh, them little, uh, them little videos when he would take his trips in off season and come back and show us them videos.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Leave it alone, boy.
2: Did you see the one where he just uh,
0: lost the bet? Where he had to run on the beach. Yeah, I was you like,
1: see "What that? Are you
0: doing?" You what to, so that? We had a bet during the Super Bowl, or who would win the Chiefs or the Niners. You know, he played with the Niners, so he was rolling with his, his former team, and he took that L. So the bet was that uh, whoever lost, whoever team lost, had to run down South Beach naked. But we both got out of town before the game was over, so we actually went on vacation this past couple weeks ago. Yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, yeah, so he finally took that L. Yo, it was people on the beach like they was like, "What
1: the?" What's going on? Hey, wow. For the record, though, 2 wasn't there. Nah, nah, it wasn't there. You was there in the city, but you were not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I wasn't physically in the
2: presence of that. I, ho- I hope he had somebody at the finish line with some shorts <laughs> ready and handy. Like, as soon as I get done running,
1: throw me them shorts so I can get them on. Shit, that's why I was running so fast, so I can get to him. <laughs> <when> <on. laughs> hey, bro, like... The thing I always I'm going to give a good story about T.J. though. T.J. always kept it real in 100. And when I go back to the story of when you said, man, I'm better than Chad. Y'all don't even know it. And I remember you and Renard Wilson used to get into it all the time. Always arguing. Good argue though. Wasn't nothing bad. But the thing that I always appreciated about you was that I knew you believed it. If you said it, you believed it. And I saw that manifest into your game. And so now we fast forward, both of us out of the league. We both do some analyst work for both networks. But when you look at what happened down in Tampa last, well, a few weeks ago, when uh, Brady first game of the year and everybody was expecting Brady to go into the Saints and be able to knock them off. That didn't happen. And then Bruce Arians... I didn't think he called him out. I just thought he just said the obvious. Look, they didn't show us anything that happened, but he just, you know, we didn't play well. So people were like, "Oh, you don't call out Tom Brady? Do you think Bruce Arians was wrong in any way? And if he was, share."
2: I think he was wrong. You just you, you do just... you think yeah, he's wrong? I do. I do think he's wrong because, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you rarely see a quarterback get called out. You rarely see that. It just doesn't happen. In meetings, I've never seen it. I've never been on a team where the quarterback has been called out. Not now you might, you might see it here and there, but I've never seen it in my life. In any team meeting, any game film review, never, where they've called the quarterback out. Now, what I will say is this. The interception of Mike Evans across the middle. Was it a bad throw? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, it was a bad play call. Against you have no preseason. You have no OTAs. Why are you running a route where it's an option route? Where if it's cover two, I uh hook it up. If it's cover four, I split it or whatever. It could be vice versa. Why are you calling that play when we haven't rep it enough in the game? Like you can rep it in practice, but you know the intensity of practice in the game is different. Right. So those balls got to be thrown with anticipation. So Brady lets it go. Mike Evans hooks it up. You shouldn't even call that play. You shouldn't even put them in that position because even though you rep it in practice, when you rep it in practice, the reads are so defined, it's really easy to see, ah, this is cover two, this is cover four. And game, they're not going to do exactly how you drew it up in practice. That shouldn't have been called. The out route on the screenplay, that's Brady's fault. He left the ball inside. Now, if that's the type of relationship they're going to have, I have no problem with Bruce Arians calling them out. As long as Tom Brady can accept it and it's not a big deal, he doesn't look at it like, I don't like the way he just uh, called me out publicly, then it's not a problem. The reason I say I didn't like it was because you just don't see that happening. It's one game, bro. The Saints are a really good team. Deep, And if you think about it, block, pump, muff, kick, pick six, that pick – Dude, the Bucks could have won that game considering all the stuff that happened. Back, their defense played great. The Bucks are going to be fine. And all these people going on TV talking about Brady and the Bucks when they're five and three at the worst, six and two, seven and one midway point of the season. Then what they gonna say?
1: Mm-hmm. And this is what I this is my thoughts on. It. I didn't think he really. I just thought he stated the obvious. And yeah, I've man. seen I, I've seen Bruce Arians get to a point to where. If he don't dig in you, he don't don't dig into you. And I thought it was so top surface. But this is the reason why, you know, I saw reports, Brett Favre saying, you know what, it could be problematic. But this is the thing I think that everybody is forgetting. Tom Brady came from, even though he's the greatest, the GOAT, he came from New England. And so I know Chad probably told you, he don't care who you are. They're going to coach you hard. Not only well, that could be days. why he wanted
2: to leave. He was tired of uh, you always stepping on my head. Like if you you ain't married, Spikes, you are in a relationship, you can't just beat down, beat down, beat down. Like you you gotta give some type of positive encouragement and and I'm can, I'm about to tell you this, and I'm bad with this. Like your lady get dressed, damn baby, you look good tonight. Like they they need to hear that sometimes. And so maybe he was tired of getting beat down. And now you like damn first game of the season. I think the beatdowns is over and here we go again. It DJ, could be that. I don't know how Brady reacts to it.
1: I want that verbal abuse. If I can go and play in nine, ten Super Bowls and win six rings, you can talk. I want you to give it to me like that. Nah, I got-
2: not say, hey, if you win six, you like, bruh, we don't want six Super Bowls. Like you're gonna quit beating me on my head, bruh. Like, God damn, we don't want six. Ain't nobody, nobody has done this before. Yeah, And so, but again, Brady is a type of guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it bothered him. I don't I, think it bothered him. I, I, I really don't think it bothered him. And I don't think it's a big deal as long as Brady does not If Brady thinks it's a big deal, it's a big he deal. If he can't accept it, it's a big deal. And so I'm sure they've talked about this prior to. It was been reports that he's cussed him out in practice. So if he's done that, it's par for the course. Brady ain't tripping his water off a of duck's back.
1: Yep. Now, I agree with you on that. It, it ain't a big deal until Brady makes it a big deal. And yeah. I don't think it's like that just because of the environment of where he came out from. Because I heard it was – you. I felt I heard if you walk into the building, it feels like you got to have a suit and tie on and you checking in. You clocking in and you clocking out every day.
2: Hey, we <laughs> – we all wanna be in a situation where we win, but man, when you get to experience it, do I don't know if you want it that way. I've always felt like New England would be like the perfect team for me to play for because I'm a structure guy. Um, if you say this is how you want it, I'm gonna do it that way. But that type of structure, you just you don't know if you can deal with it until you're in it. What uh,
0: one question we didn't touch on. What do you think about your Bengals this year, man? First round, uh, first pick overall, Joe Burrows. What does he bring to the team? What do you see in the future this year?
2: I like Joe. I I was a part of the group that uh, helped him get ready for the draft this year with Jordan Palmer. And people are saying this now, and me and Jordan said it uh, leading up to the draft. Dude is just super confident, man. Like, he walks in there like he's that dude. Like, it's almost arrogant, but it's really not, but it's damn near close. He just has total belief in himself. Um, should have won the first game. I, I thought, yeah, A.J. Green passing the fear of him. That was offensive P.I., but the DB is holding him around the waist the whole time. So if you're holding me around my waist, the only way for me to get you to stop is to push you off of me. So call both of them. I felt like the referees took that uh, game from the Bengals as they did from the Cowboys. Um, but I, I like Joe. He, he's going to be fine. It's, they just need to protect him. That right tackle, he struggled. To block uh, Bosa, but a lot of people struggle to block Bosa. So you're not playing Bosa every week. Right? They play Cleveland this week. It, it's going to be the Bengals. In my opinion, this will be Joe Burrow will win a playoff game on this rookie contract. I believe he'll he'll win. Joe Burrow will win a playoff game on this rookie contract. Um, I probably go out and say he'll probably win a, a playoff game next year. I believe he's going to be that good.
1: Well. If he's anything like he showed in college, he touched Auburn, too, which I hate. But that boy's
2: man. He, he's he special, man. A, he does a good job of giving his receivers an opportunity to make plays. I mean, if you go back to that game, I don't know if you guys watched it. Ross, John Ross had a chance to win the game. Tough catch, didn't catch it. Didn't the catch ne- it. The next play, A.J. Green was wide open by 10 yards. Joe overthrew him. And, and so A.J. Green has been out missing the uh towards the end of training camp so they haven't had that cohesiveness um to gel together and so once they can get some more practice time they didn't have Geno Atkins, they best defensive player. If Geno yeah. Atkins is I mean it's a different ball game, man. So the Bengals they look promising, but I will say this. Last year, first game of the season, they played the Seattle Seahawks. They should have beat them. Kicker missed two field goals. <laughs> Sound familiar and then they win two games. And so yeah. They probably were optimistic after last year's game on oh, first game of the season. We should have beat the Seahawks. We're going to be pretty good, and you win two games. And so they, they have to get it together.
1: Oh, yeah, ain't no question, bro. Before before we let you get out of here, man, we we, we got our little segment to where the fans get an opportunity to ask you, some of your long, hard fans. And this one is from at Bingo's captain. He wanted to know how hard is it for a rookie wide receiver to get snaps behind vets.
2: It just depends on the system. It depends on, are they better than you? <laughs> they just might be better than you, and so you can't get snapped. And if you're talking the Bengals, and specifically T. Higgins, T. Higgins can play. I hope he can get ready for the uh, draft as well. And But A.J. Green can play. Tyler Boyd can play. And John Ross has one thing that nobody else on that team has, and that's big speed. And so it's tough to break that Bengals lineup when you're talking wide receivers. But it really just depends. Coaches can put certain packages in for you, but it really just depends on who you're behind. If the guys can play or they bombs, simple.
1: At California underscore kid. Uh, he's black and Persian and he was like he plays at Howard University. So he said. How is it growing up to be black and Persian?
2: Man, it's no no offense, California kid. Man, I, I, I don't know anybody on the Persian side of my family. I've never met my dad, so I've pretty much grown up black my entire life. That's the only family that I know, and that's on my mother's side. All my cousins, aunties, grandmas, uncles, they all black, and so that's all I've known my entire life. I've never met anybody Persian on that side of my family, not once ever.
1: Last question. This is a good one. From at Philly Philly TP, he says, TJ, how would you describe your career in one word?
2: Wow, that is a good one.
1: I don't even think it's
2: possible. Wow. Probably wow. I mean, a blessing, blessing. Destiny, like I said earlier. I mean, that's a pretty damn good question. There's some smart people in this world, man. (laughs) Philly Philly. yeah, I, I would say uh, a blessing. Take the uh away, blessing. Yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't supposed to. I, I wasn't supposed to make it to the league, man. You know, spikes. You first round pick, man. You knew your name was gonna be called early, bro. And I didn't. I didn't have that. And so for me to make it and play as long as I did, um, yeah, so it's a blessing.
1: Nah, it truly is a blessing, bro. You 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 left your footprint, handprints, and everything else on the game, man, and. Even to this day, uh, coming into the game, being a seventh round draft pick, being drafted to one of the worst teams, shit, the worst team of the decade, and you made it, dog. Household name, and you still doing your thing, man. So salute to you, my brother. We appreciate the time, man, and thank you for coming on the show.
0: Favorite plus size model Tucson Reds. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Behind the Mask podcast with former Cincinnati Bengals TJ Who's Mizada. Make sure you follow us on social media at the BTM podcast and subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast content, submit your questions and engage for our future guests. We'll make sure we ask ask them on air behind the mask Podcast. There's only one rule. There are no rules. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.